Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Next on BYUSN, the Cougars' first preseason All-Big 12 teams are out, which Cougars were named and how many made it. Plus, one report says a team out of the Pac-12 is going to commit to the Big 12, quote-unquote, soon. Which team is it, and do we like it? Hey, welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, May 24th. I am Jerem Jordan, teamed up with backflipping analyst Jason Shepard. I'm not backflip guy. I'm too scared. To, I'm too scared to do it. Are you front flip guy? Okay. Here's the thing. Growing up, you know, you, as one does, you have a trampoline, right? Mm-hmm. I can do the front flip fine from my feet, feet to feet. Mm-hmm. Backflip. I'm too scared to do it. I don't want a scorpion. So I basically the only way I would do a backflip on the tramp would be to lay on, fall on the back, and then flip the rest, the rest of the way over. Okay. It's the only way I would do a backflip. Okay. Yeah. That is not the case with uh, Cosmo and Kyle Van Oy, though, yesterday. This was, this was out of the, uh, the golf tournament. <laughs> Look at this. At Cedar Hills Golf Club with the corporate sponsorship team. Cosmo's, Cosmo's unbelievable. Yes. So, uh, a Ute friend of mine said, how do they get... Wait, what? Yeah, you, you have a Ute me. friend? Yeah. They, he said, how does, how does Cosmo get so athletic? And here's Kyle trying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I give him credit for even trying. Yes. I was also like, whoa, 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 should you be doing this? I was bought in that he was going to go for the full back. he was doing it. Yes, yeah. yes. He, start, he started like he was. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Cosmo's <laughs> the greatest. Convanoi. But yes, all the Cosmos. Yeah. Crazy athletic. Crazy good dancers. What, oh, my god. I've heard people say that about me. Crazy athletic. That we are not. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that about me. All right. On today's show, we react to the uh, all Big 12 team from Athlon Sports. Oh, yeah. Tis the season. Oh, it's here. It is here. Uh, Kelly Ford joins us to discuss some uh, not-so-optimistic projections for BYU football in year one in the Big 12. Plus, is a a certain Pac-12 team primed to make a jump to the Big 12? Nice, Shep. Yes, and uh, we'll also be talking with uh, Cougar high jumper Sierra Tidwell-Alfin. She will join us from Sacramento to preview the NCAA West prelims for BYU track and field. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Touchdown, Cody Epps. Big high water on the interception. Tyler Batty with his first sack of the season. What's Trending is presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Okay, we're going to get the magazines in the next couple of weeks and months, right? We're going to have the preseason All-Big 12 teams officially, probably from the coaches uh, and or media. Athlon Sports is the first to release the preseason All-Big 12 teams in their opinion. Eight Cougars made the cut. Here we go on offense. Aiden Robbins on the second team, Cody Epps third team, Kingsley Suomati on the third team, Connor Pay on the fourth team. On defense, Tyler Batty, Ben Bywater, Micah Harper all on the fourth team, special teams, Hobbs Nyberg, fourth team. I didn't know they'd go that deep to right. the fourth team, but yes. there we are. I like it. Shep, what do you think of the first All-Big 12 anything, which sounds great. Yes. All-Big 12, it's happening. There, there's, there's more than – exactly where everybody landed, just the fact that BYU was on 
the preseason All Big 12. The funniest part about this was this was, I was not expecting this because you get into a rhythm and with BYU even being in the WCC for the last you know decade plus, you, you get into it like, okay, well, we're getting close to basketball season, so I wonder who's on the preseason. You go through all these other sports that you're used to getting the preseason teams. It's been so long since we've seen this for BYU football that when I saw it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a thing. This still happens. So there was this excitement, this rush of excitement when I saw it. Um, And and yeah, I I will be honest with you. The one thing that really stood out to me that I really expected to be much higher was Kingsley Suamataia. Mm -hmm. Higher than third team. That's probably one that I, I... and I, maybe second team was probably what I thought, but we're talking about a guy here that right now is being talked about, granted, a year in advance, but it's for, for reasons that we all know, because he's really, really good, being talked about as, as a first-round draft pick and maybe even a top 15 draft pick. So I was a bit surprised that Kingsley was just third team, but you know, I'm still in the just happy to be here phase, so I'm not going <laughs> to complain too much. Are you going to be in that phase all year? Uh, possibly. It's, yeah. There's a real chance. We haven't cared about all independent anything for a long time. I think maybe the first year or two we were like, oh, this is cool. It's like us, Notre Dame, and like some other people. Yeah. Um, we have not cared for a full decade about any all-conference anything <laughs> right. relative to independence because there's like five or six teams, whatever. This now becomes exciting, more exciting, because it's not only a league, but it's a league that is Power 5, and we've waited for this moment for BYU. Is Aiden Robbins BYU's best offensive player? That's what Athlon is saying right here against the field. I'm assuming they go with two running backs on the first team, two on the second team. See a top four running back in the Big 12. Um, I think that would be incredible, and that certainly sets BYU's offense up if that is the case. I would love to think that BYU has one of the top uh, you know, if they go three per team, nine receivers in the Big 12. If Cody Epps is a third-team guy, I'm with you on Kingsley Suamataia. If he is a first-round pick, we would hope he'd be on the top two teams. Yep. Uh, if you're going, uh, you know, one left tackle on the first team, another on the second team. Maybe it's not common knowledge that he's moved to left tackle. Connor Pay on the fourth. Listen, BYU is going to be in a league where many of these guys, we're going to watch the NFL draft next year in a very different way where we'll go, oh, yeah, that guy was awesome at Oklahoma State. That guy was awesome at TCU that we maybe haven't watched uh, before. And uh, on defense, having three guys there, I like that too. I would love to have Eddie Heckard perhaps in the mix there as one of the top BYU players. But I love the idea that, uh, you know, Ben Bywater to me is probably BYU's best player at his position on the team at the moment. Hoping that Tyler Batty's awesome, um, that Isaiah Banya is awesome, that Michael Harper is awesome as well at safety. Hobbs Nyberg as a returner there, certainly. But when we're breaking down fourth team, special teams, maybe that's too much. (laughs) (laughs) But it's fun to see all Big 12 something, the individuals of BYU thriving. Offensively, BYU's really been good the last couple of years, obviously on the field, but also in the draft. So we'll see what this means. And we're going to just, we have not, had this in 12 years, yep. which is we care about another group of, yes. of people in football in a different way. Like we'd watch consistently with Boise State, kind of, because you play them every year, but kind of Utah and kind of Utah State. Every year we're looking at everybody. Oh, so and so left. Like when, when uh, you know, uh, who was it? What's his name? Tyler Dickinson or whatever from Michigan, Hunter Dickinson, transferred to Kansas. I go, oh, crap. He's going to Kansas. Right. Now we, yeah. we might play him. BYU might play him. It's just that context shapes the fandom in a new way in football, which is very exciting. Yeah, the, the fun part about these, especially if it's not where you maybe had initially wanted or hoped to see them, is to then compare this at the end of the year where everybody 
you know, lands. And then you can see where, okay, well, this was the thought about this player before. This is how the season turned out. And I think that's kind of the fun part about it is to kind of store these away, put it to the side, and then at the end of the year, see where everything pans out. See how accurate it was. Yes. Who made teams that, um, that weren't on any of these lists? Who had mm-hmm. those seasons that nobody saw coming? Yep. All of that. And I'm with you. Just And we had, even in the WCC, obviously we paid attention to, you know, Pepperdine and Gonzaga and St. Mary's and San Francisco. And so you get yes. to learn, but it's, it's different. It's different with football. Mm-hmm. It's different in terms of how much you really get into that specifically. And it's, and it's just something we haven't had for more than a decade. So to be back into that groove and being able to fall like we used to with Wyoming and, you know, Air Force and Colorado State, all those schools like those natural rivalries and how are they doing? And oh no, man, they they did better than we did. Like all that stuff's back on the table now. I love it. Okay, looking at last year's Big 12 teams, uh, you know, one quarterback, two running backs, a fullback, three receivers, a tight end, five, maybe six O line, five O line. They go a little like they have like five D linemen on the uh, second team and three linebackers. So I don't know. We're running a five three five in uh, on the all uh, Big 12 defense. All good. Going to be fun to watch that. Obviously, it's early, and there's going to be all kinds of projections that come out. But the Aiden Robbins second team one, that tells us a lot about what Athlon Sports thinks of Aiden Robbins. If he can be a top four running back in the Big 12, that is great news for Keaton Slovis and the BYU offense. And it says a lot about the expectation of the O-line. There's this narrative from Aaron Roderick that, hey, they're really good. And last year... I think they, that might have been the best O-line BYU's ever had, perhaps. Right. The metrics were really good. I would love to see uh, the running game be awesome this year. The, we the, all would. the interesting part about it is when the transfer portal began, the offensive line was a massive concern for me. When, when, when BYU totally. lost the Blarington, the Blarington, the Barrington brothers. Once you transfer, we <laughs> mispronounce your name by one letter. The Barrington the brothers. brothers are at Blayler. Yeah. So... <laughs> I, like, I thought, oh, no. Yeah. Like, this is a massive loss. BYU has rebounded very nicely to the point yeah. I am not concerned about the offensive line anymore. Which is wild because yes. BYU lost four, three yes. of its five starters and four of the top six. But the guys yeah. that came in, Caleb Etienne, the guys that were, that were in the program already that are returning, Kingsley, obviously we've talked a lot yes. about him. That, that, that is now a, a position of strength in my opinion, and a couple months ago, I was really concerned with the guys that, that BYU yeah. had lost. No longer am I concerned about the offensive line. So that speaks then to you know what you were talking about, and aiding a guy like Aiden Robbins at the running back position and the Paul, ground game in general. Paul Miley from Utah, Waylon yes. Lapuahu yep. from Utah State, Ian Fitzgerald from Missouri State, bunch of these guys. Jake I- Icorn uh, from Weaver State, a lot of, lot of talent coming in that really bolstered that group. And they're deep. Yeah. They might be the deepest position at BYU. All right, let's stay with the Big 12 conversation. A uh, friend of the program, Barry Tremel of the Oklahoman, reported that a Big 12 source told him that Colorado is ready to commit to joining the Big 12 soon. Would you like Colorado to come back to the Big 12? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a natural fit. I don't think they ever really fit in the Pac-12. And uh, I-, I think it'd be fine. You'd have a travel partner out west with BYU. 
Um, certainly still far away, yes. uh, all things considered, but yes. much closer than uh, a lot of the other schools. I'd be fine with that. Um, I don't know when that would happen, how many years it would take, if it'd be like in 25 or whatever. What would Utah do without a rival, though? Oh, my gosh, what would they do? Who cares? Um, oh, my gosh, who cares? Um, Colorado in the Big 12 would be great. I think that'd be a good fit. Did they add a ton, like, competitively? No, uh, because no, they will. struggled. They will. I believe in Coach Prime. This guy, this guy I believe gonna, he'll be he's gonna do somewhere stuff. else in three years. Oh, that's like, fine. By the time Colorado gets into the Big 12, I don't even know if Deion Sanders would be the head coach at Colorado. But, but what it means uh, is... Coach Prime. Nice. Th- th- uh, thank you. Um, I don't know what um, you know, this means for the Pac-12, but do they add San Diego State? And then it's like, well, we're still at 10 when USC and UCLA move. Is this the first puzzle piece to potentially move? Also, this isn't the first time we've been told that someone might move right. soon. We were told Gonzaga might be in the Big 12 soon, and that was a few months ago from Stuart Mandel. That piece hasn't um, of the puzzle hasn't happened quite yet. So we'll see. There's a lot of, a lot of fodder out yeah. there with UConn, San Diego State, Colorado now. Um, you know, show me when it happens, and then we'll see what the uh, domino effect is. I, I do like the idea of it. If BYU excuse me, if the Big 12 is going to expand, I'm perfectly fine with the Big 12 as it is, even with, when Texas and Oklahoma leave. I, I'm okay if that's what You're they content. ultimately decide at 12 to stick with those 12. I'm fine. I'm, I'm Brett, to- your mark is not fine. I, I, well, look, and, and look, right? I, look in, in Brett we trust because, look, that's, he's done remarkable things so far. So whatever they decide to do, I trust his judgment based off of what we've seen so far. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine if they stay with the 12 once Texas and Oklahoma leave. But I do like the, the idea of if Colorado is going to be the, the te- one of the teams that come in, I do like that. I, I like it for some of the reasons, even though travel partners really don't mean much anymore because all these conferences are so spread out anyway. And yeah, you have since, you know, Cincinnati was talked about sports. that it does help West Virginia, even though they're not right next to each other, they are close. So it gives you some sort of, you know, closeness with another program. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for those reasons, I like it. I, I, I agree with you. They, they never felt like they were a fit in, in the Pac-12. The fact that they were in the Big 12 before, it would make for a very easy transition to go back. Um, that doesn't always happen where you, you spurn a conference and then they welcome you back. And it, it feels like that would be a school that, that everybody would be okay to bring back in. Yeah. You know, it would be nice to be able to have you know, the Denver market and be able to still be able to pay attention to things that are going on there. So I, I do Mainly like for the Jimmer, from yeah, our and for Jimmer because yeah. Jimmer obviously lives in Colorado. So, yeah, I, I like the idea if it happens. And would they be the only school added? Like, I don't see why the Big 12 would add one school. Yeah, I would add another school. Colora- with them. Colorado, Arizona. If you're going to go, are you going to just but, from the Pac-12? Or is it Colorado, UConn? A lot of are Arizona smoke and UConn Arizona right State together in what they do? Because BYU and Utah were not. So perhaps there's a one-school thing there. Is it San Diego State? Do you just go and grab that Pacific time zone team that you've craved? Um, granted, you really want Oregon and Washington, probably. Right. But um, if and until then, do you just go get those two? You take the next best option for the Pac-12, and you take an existing piece of the Pac-12, and now uh, they are down, not only down to nine, but they don't have that expansive piece to add to ten. That makes sense, unless you're going to add a Fresno State or a UNLV or whatever. SMU. So, so that SMU. Yeah, it, SMU in the mix as well. But again, nothing's happened quite yet. Uh, do we think something will happen before July 1st, by the way, given the TV contract thing with San, uh, with San Diego State needing to pay the Mountain West 17 mil, but that goes to 51 by July 1st? Uh, uh, we keep the, it, 
I keep getting this feeling like it has to happen now, right? It has to happen soon, right? But nothing's happened to what you were saying. Things can but, happen But you're quickly. right. But when there's a, a deadline and there's a financial implication to it, it's amazing how quickly decisions get made. My understanding is if, if they don't, they'd have to wait until like Correct. 25 right. or something um, or, or later. That makes sense that we would see something. But the Pac-12 is right. not, not going to do something – if, if they're they, not going to do something. If, well, okay, we'll get into there. <laughs> they haven't yet. If, if, they're not, if they don't like what they have, regardless right. of whether or not it's their only option or not. Right. They yeah. may drag their it's feet longer than what we've even seen. Absolute mess right now. Our question of the day, do you like the idea of Colorado rejoining the Big 12? Oh, like three years ago. I never thought this would be a question of the day. David Moore on Instagram. Colorado coming back to the Big 12 will be the first domino to fall in the vacuum of inviting BYU back in 2021. Provo has been the epicenter of Big 12 open for business placards within Pac-12 territory. Arizona schools will also come. And with uh, Big 10 interest in Washington and Oregon, there will be an all-out blitz on Utah. Interesting. Continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Join us Friday for a BYU Sports Nation special as we uh, take a look back at the 2020 Cougar football team and how they overcame a pandemic to deliver a memorable season. Watch at noon Eastern on BYU TV and listen on BYU Radio. Coming up next, Kelly Ford of K Ford Ratings joins the program. What do his numbers say about the Cougars' first year in the Big 12? This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We are in Studio B with your day-to-day Cougar Sports play-by-play. Jerem Jordan alongside Shep. Let's bring in Kelly Ford of K Ford Ratings as our first guest of the day. Talk about some numbers that he's seeing with BYU and teams in the Big 12. So, Kelly, thanks for joining the program. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jerem, Jason, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk some BYU. Okay, we don't like all of these numbers, but let's talk about them because BYU certainly first year in the Big 12, trying to navigate it. We've had expectations low. These numbers certainly validate those. What are some of the numbers that you've computed and what you think BYU will do this first year in the Big 12? Yeah, so BYU's making a big jump coming into the Big 12, as you all know. Um, it's an exciting time for the program, for the institution, uh, but I do think it might be a little bit of a rocky start as they get going into Big 12 play. My number is currently projecting BYU to be right around 60 in my power ratings, and I think we'll get into a little bit of, of how I compute those. This is going to be a pretty good offense, though, you know, a top 40 offensive unit. My concern with BYU is really the defense. I currently have them in the mid-80s uh, projecting in terms of defensive efficiency. So when you're playing in the Big 12 and you're you're playing against all those high high profile offenses my numbers have uh, BYU playing the 14th most difficult aggregated offense so if you look at all the offenses that BYU is playing and compare that to what all the other offenses that every other team at FBS is playing it's the 14th most difficult schedule against uh, opposing offenses so that defense is, is the cause for concern for me looking at about 4.8 average wins um, so it, it could be tough but my numbers do miss from time to time and I hope for for everyone's sake here on this in this show that I'm wrong <laughs> on BYU well Kelly you touched on it a second ago what goes into these numbers because I obviously I realize you know there everybody kind of has their own way of doing this and some things are weighted heavier than others. So how, how do you come to your numbers? Yeah, for sure. And so there's a lot of people out there that do the power ratings, as you mentioned there. Um, I, I really modeled my stuff after uh, Bill Connolly, who does SP Plus, and Brian from O, who does FEI. So those are kind of the two folks that I used as I got going in the space a handful of years ago now. So 
we're in the preseason right now. So preseason versus in season is very different. But to generate the preseason numbers, I'm really looking at three things. Returning production. So who do you have coming back? And I capture transfers in and out in that calculation. It's become increasingly difficult in recent years with the uh, increased usage of the transfer portal as, one, as well as the one-time free transfer. And then also you throw on top of that the COVID year of eligibility where 2020 didn't count. Um, so trying to figure out just who's coming back and where are they landing out of the portal has become its own exercise. But that's the biggest chunk. And then after that, I also use a weighted four-year recruiting average. So how well has your team replaced talent that it's lost uh, from the from the recruiting ranks in the last four years? And also your, your recent K-Ford rating. So it's weighted again, your most recent four years of year-end K-Ford rating. How does that compare relative to everybody else nationally? So um, that's how I get my preseason numbers. Of course, once we get going in the season, the preseason component gets devalued, deweighted, and phased out as we replace it with in-season data, which, of course, is where we want to be as we're actually playing the games. Which is the point of all of this, but, hey, it's May 24th. we got to talk about something. We love it. Uh, I love the numbers. So talk to us about you have 26% chance of winning four games, 27% chance of winning five games, and then bowl eligibility, which is what we're calling for. Hey, get to a bowl game that would be good enough is 28%. How do you feel about, I guess, the Cougars' chances of, of doing that? Because that number to us maybe feels a little low. We're, we're thinking more kind of 50 to 70% chance. Yeah, so what I'm able to do with my power ratings is generate a uh, projected line for each game involving FBS and FCS teams. New this year, I have some um, some rough FCS estimates that I can put in there and help help create projected lines for all games involving an FBS team. And so from that, I'm able to generate a uh, expected win probability for every single game. So when you look at the totality of BYU's schedule this year and how it how it all lays out, that's how you get to those percentages that you referenced. And it can be found, uh, BYU's dashboard can be found on my website at k4ratings.com. That's what I'm looking at over here on another screen as my eyes wander away. Um, but yeah, 27% chance for exactly five wins is the um, single greatest expected outcome uh, in terms of singular wins, uh, win totals, but a 56% chance to win five plus, And then you get to that 28% chance to win six plus. And the reason for that really is, for BYU, you start the year week one at home to Sam Houston. I've got you as big favorites in that. Twenty-three uh, favored by twenty-three points. That's a ninety-five percent expected win probability. Then you got Southern Utah coming in the next week. Thirty-nine is the line there for me, a ninety-nine percent win probability. The problem for BYU is that after that, my numbers actually don't favor the Cougars at any single game the rest of the way. Now you're not going to lose every single game that you're an underdog in. We know that. So my numbers are expecting on average about three more wins from the schedule after that. But every single game as it projects right now after week two, I actually have BYU as an underdog right now. That could change, of course, as we get going in the season and we phase out the preseason information with the in-season data. Maybe BYU's playing at a, at a higher rate, a higher efficiency than I expect. And, and those numbers are, of course, subject to change as we get going in the season. You know, obviously when you're, when you're doing this for, for a conference – each team's going to have its own individual variables, which is what we talked about in terms of what, you know, what they bring to the table. Where do the other schools that are in the same situation as BYU that are making this jump into the P5 level, where, where do they stand in comparison to what you have for BYU? Yeah, it's a great question, and I've been. Um, it's it, there's a lot of change in college athletics in terms of membership and conference affiliation. So I've learned as we've undergone some of these changes in recent years. Last year with James Madison coming from the FCS, of course, we have two more this year doing that as well. Um, my process is constantly evolving. I'm constantly learning, so I feel like I'm in a better place now than I was a year ago. Trying to deal with teams changing conferences and really changing levels of competition, if you will, from G5 to Power Five or FCS to FBS. 
But the other three newcomers to the Big 12, UCF is projecting as the best team in my power rating set right now of these four. I currently have them power rated in the mid-30s. Offense is a top 40 unit. Defense is a top 50 unit. Um, they have a 90% chance to go bowling by my number. 7.4 is the expected wins. Then you've got Cincinnati, who's really helped by a, by a, a really weak schedule, if I'm being honest. Um, their schedule grades out as the 60th most difficult in all of FBS. There are 69 power teams, power five teams. So there's only nine power five teams that have a quote easier schedule than Cincinnati, um, just how it all broke this year. So projecting them in the mid forties, um, a really good defense, top 25 unit. It's actually their offense that gives me a little pause for concern in the mid sixties, 6.7 projected wins. And then Houston, probably the closest comp to BYU right now in terms of the power ratings. I have them power rated in the mid fifties, a great offense, top 50 unit, but the defense is really concerning to me. They're sub 100 on the defensive side of the ball right now. I think they could really struggle to stop off opposing offenses in the Big 12 um, this year. I'm looking at 5.3 projected wins for Houston, and they have a 44% chance by my numbers to go bowling this year. We're talking to Kelly Ford of K-Ford Ratings, college football numbers guy. Okay, th this is interesting because when you project something, Texas and Oklahoma are always going to be considered near the top, even though Texas – Hasn't done a ton and hasn't won the league the last couple Texas of years. Texas is back, right? But they're always talented, right? Those recruiting classes are ridiculous. Oklahoma is always what seems like on the fringe, but last year was a struggle in first year under Brent Venerables. Then there was TCU came out of literally nowhere to uh, uh, go to the national championship game. What are you thinking uh, kind of shakes out in the Big 12 this year? I can promise you both that nobody dislikes the fact that Texas and Oklahoma end up high in my power ratings more than me. The amount of time, the, the amount of time that I have to spend on Twitter, and I've, I've honestly stopped over the years, but trying to defend the numbers and what they say about these teams. When you think about what goes into the power ratings that I talked about earlier, specifically in the preseason, the, the three inputs that 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 go into there. Texas and Oklahoma grade out very well in those three things. Texas has been a habitual underachiever for the last decade. Oklahoma, of course, had a down year last year um, under a new coaching staff. I expect Venables to get things going there in Norman sooner than later, and they need to because they're getting ready to make the jump to the SEC, right? But for this year in particular, I'm really excited about the, the Big 12 membership. I personally think Texas and Oklahoma belong in the Big 12. I think they should stay in the Big 12. I work in college athletics full-time, so I need to be careful about what I say, but I think that's the way it's meant to be. I'm disappointed they're going to the SEC, but I'm excited for this year. Texas, Oklahoma grayed out on top for me um, for the reasons we just mentioned. We'll see if it actually pans out. I have been known to say Texas is back before. Um, it hasn't worked out. Again, they're, they're a top 10 team for me coming into this year. Oklahoma, a top 15 team. You mentioned TCU. Last year, they did come out of nowhere. They were my number one overachiever in all of FBS last year. My numbers going into last year projected 6.4 uh, wins for TCU Of course, in the regular season. Of course, they go undefeated 12-0, make championship game make the cfp um and so they were the number one overachiever by my numbers if we're looking for i have them this year projected third in the big 12 if we're looking for a team that might do something similar this year oklahoma state reminds me a little bit of tcu based on where they are currently power rated and where tcu was last year i'm not predicting that oklahoma state's going to go on a run and make the big 12 championship game make the cfp i'm looking at you know maybe fifth in the big 12 um, in terms of the standings, I have them power rated in the mid 30s. But you look at that schedule; it's 64th most difficult. So only it's even easier than Cincinnati's. And I talked about how easy theirs was. So I think the schedule sets up in such a way that Oklahoma State might have a chance to maybe make some noise. They miss Texas in Big 12 play, which I think is huge for your for your prospects. So yeah, the Big 12 
it's unpredictable. It's exciting. It's one of my favorite conferences out there. And I, I can't wait for this one year. We're going to have the 14-team Big 12. I think it's going to be great. And if I'm being completely honest, I wouldn't be mad if Texas and Oklahoma both missed out on the championship game on their way out the door um, because I, I am a little bitter. I'm a little bitter that they're leaving. Look, like, is w- one more question before we let you go. The, the thing that we really want to know and our fans want to know, please just at least tell us that you think the Big 12 is better than the Pac-12 this year, right? Oh, not just this year. They have been for quite some time. Um, yeah, I, th- the Big 12 is a very strong conference. Uh, they were among the strongest last year. When you look top to bottom, there's no league that can compare with the Big 12 in football, men's basketball, that's a whole other conversation. Um, but in football especially, top to bottom, there's no league that can compete with the Big 12. I'm looking at Kansas as my worst power-rated team this year, and I know folks in Lawrence are rolling their eyes because they had a great year last year, but my numbers are suggesting that was the anomaly, not the, not the normal, right? So maybe a little bit of regression to the mean. Still going to be a good team this year. I have them power-rated 63rd. There is no other league out there, though, whose worst team, especially in a 14-team league, is power rated at 63. I mean, that is FBS average, and that's your worst. So while the Big 12 might not have as much firepower at the top, when I'm talking, you know, the very elite teams in college football, those reside in the SEC, the Big 10. Um, While they might not have a team like that, Texas and Oklahoma are going to give it a run this year by my numbers, and the bottom is so, so strong. There's really not much of a comparison based on the numbers between the Big T- Big 12 and the Pac-12, and that's nothing against the Pac-12. I, I like the Pac-12 as well, but but the numbers suggest the Big 12 is the clear favorite. I'm a little salty at the Pac-12, too, or, or USC and UCLA for similar reasons, so uh, I wouldn't be mad if those teams missed out on the Pac-12 championship this, game, uh, this year either. But, yes, the Big 12 is absolutely one of the strongest conferences in college football, and it's because top to bottom, there's not a bad team. Kelly, tell me how you really feel. Uh, no, that was good stuff. We appreciate the time. Of course, check your stuff out on kfordratings.com. Kelly Ford, thanks for coming on the program. Jerem, Jason, I really appreciate it. Uh, good luck with everything. Look forward to seeing BYU this year in the Big 12. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Kelly. Good stuff, man. And Great it, stuff. listen, I, I've said it before on the show, that like a certain number or a certain metric, it isn't everything, but it's something. Hopefully BYU has a better chance than 28% to go bowling yeah we certainly that number feels low it it does feel low that's what he's saying based on the production but that's why we play the game that's why that's why you do it that's why tcu had an incredible run last year who knows man who knows let's just get in and start playing that's that's what that's what i want let's just start unfortunately playing let's Let's just get into the big 12 officially it's true july 1st july 1st it's coming all right from Taysom hill to jamal williams to kyle vanoy and more byu sports nation looks back at all the best players at each position to play for byu football in the decade of the 2010s Watch the all-decade team this Memorial Day Monday at noon Eastern on BYU TV and listen on BYU Radio. Coming up, which Cougar received the final West Coast Conference Player of the Year award? Yeah, it's that man. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation from Studio B. Jerem Jordan alongside Shep. Let's bring in live from Sacramento, ahead of the NCAA preliminaries in NCAA track and field, the outdoor championships. Sierra Tidwell Alfin, the junior high jumper from Gilbert, Arizona. Sierra, what's, uh, what's going on in Sacramento today? How you doing? Hey, I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, we just got here yesterday. Um, I don't jump till Saturday, so I'm kind of just hanging out, supporting my teammates until then. So you're gonna like go sightseeing with all of your free time? Just walk around the, the, the state capital of California? 
I should. I'm a little bummed we're not as close to the beach, but... <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, okay, uh, walk us through your mindset as uh, one of the top high jumpers in the country, ranked, uh, you know, number three in the country right now. At a uh, uh, jump of 6'2", you could jump over both of us. Your mindset going into the prelims to make the uh, try and make the outdoor NCAA championships. Yeah, so high jump is a little different than a lot of events with track and field. We don't have prelims we just go straight to finals which is nice because our competitions usually take like a few hours um so i'm definitely feeling confident uh going into regionals i think i have a good chance of qualifying so you know we obviously know how dominant the the byu track and field program is and when when athletes like you come into the program, you come in expecting really, really big things. When you look at the fact that between the men and the women, there's 64 that, that have qualified for prelims. This is what you guys expect, isn't it? I mean, you guys have, you guys have the history to back up how, just how good this program is, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely really cool being part of such a dominant program. Um, this is my fourth year at BYU, and I feel like every year I've just seen the team improve. Um, just kind of an example, last year we chartered our flight and we shared the plane with like a couple other Utah schools, but this year we chartered and we pretty much filled up the whole plane. So I think that's a good sign that we're improving and that we'll be ready for the Big 12. Talk us through your competition and where you fit. Obviously ranked third, you've got the second highest jump in BYU history. Uh, you're on the fringe of uh, obviously competing for a national championship, it seems. Yeah, so... Um, I feel like in the past I haven't quite performed how I have wanted, like at nationals. So this year is definitely to feel happy with my performance, and the goal is kind of to get top five. Um, I mean, top three would be awesome, but that's kind of the goal. So, You know, Sierra, you, you just touched on something that I wasn't intending to ask you, but now I'm really curious. You talked about excited, you know, for the for the jump to the Big 12 next year. What is track and field like in the Big 12? What, what type of competition is there in that conference? Yeah, so ever since I've been at BYU, we haven't really had a conference. Um, our conference was MPSF, and it's kind of like not a super competitive meet. Um, like usually that weekend, it's like BYU, like uh, conference champion, like in almost every event. Um, so going into the Big 12 will definitely give us an advantage um, with that competitive meet, like the conference weekend is kind of when everyone like pops off and having a big conference like definitely helps everyone perform their best so texas number one in women's they will host the nc outdoor championships i will just happen to be in austin that weekend so i'm showing up saturday so i expect yeah, to see you cool. which will be awesome okay. um what walk us through your routine as you approach the high jump you said it can take a couple of hours how do you stay ready through that process yeah that's a good question um i think the best tip is just kind of oscillating your energy um, because it takes like a few hours you don't want to just be like hyped up the whole time because you'll get exhausted um, so when I'm not like about to approach the bar I'm just kind of like hanging out with like the other teammates and like trying to keep my mind off it kind of um, but then once I get up to the bar um, I usually have about like two cues um, they kind of change from meet to meet but this me, I'll probably be thinking about leaning in my curve and kind of being patient um, going up to approach the bar. So, How did you get into this? Is this something you have always done? Is this something that's come naturally? What, what was the start of, of track and field for you? 
Yeah, so I started in eighth grade. Um, I actually started with cross country. I'm not sure why. I think some of my friends were doing it. Um, <laughs> Peer pressure then, huh? I hated every second of it. <laughs> and then with cross country, kind of everyone rolls over to track and field. And so I did that too. And I found high jump and I liked it a lot better. So I kind of just stuck with that instead. Is there going to be a point where anybody doesn't do the Fosbury flop? Like where you just go straight, you know, some people uh, have different ways of doing it, but like it, that was discovered and that's the way you do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, unless someone has this like crazy new invent invention, I think the Fosbury <laughs> flop is the way to go. <laughs> well, how did you practice growing up? Because for me, it was like we would like jump onto our trampoline like that and that seemed really fun. Um, growing yeah. up, how did you kind of get into that? Like you mentioned to Shep, but how did you practice that? Yeah, so... I mean, I started in junior high and my coach was just like the school counselor. So I don't think she knew like a lot about the sport, but we did a lot of like jump squats and I lived in Arizona and we had a pool too. And like, I loved swimming. So sometimes I would get in my pool and do like kind of like backflips underwater. <laughs> coach Robison, the, the jumps coach is retiring at the end of the season. Um, been there for 30 years at BYU. What, what has he meant to you and this program definitely yeah Robbie has impacted like everyone on the team like anyone everyone he makes contact with um yeah he's definitely been the best example to me of what it means to love those around him just traveling with him these past four years like anywhere we go doesn't matter like what meet he always finds coaches and athletes that he knows and gives a big hug to like yesterday we went to the track and he was like talking to some guy that I've never seen before but he's just really good at building relationships and keeping up those connections and certainly uh you know the son of Clarence, the, the name of Robison uh, track, which is pretty notable in BYU history. Well, best of luck with everything. Um, enjoy that process in, in Sacramento. I don't know what you're going to do until Saturday. Um, but uh, on Saturday, dial it in, and then we look forward to uh, seeing you at the Outdoor Track and Field National Championships in a couple of weeks. Good luck. And here's all the karma we can give you to do your okay. best. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. In Havana. Jackson Clough in minor league baseball hit a two-run home run last night for the Harrisburg Senators, part of the Washington Nationals organization. A 7-4 victory over the Redding Fightin' Fields. That takes Jackson's home run total to three on the season. He's got eight runs batted in. Is it true they have to wear the wigs while they play? I have no idea. <laughs> that would be, be out of the batting That'd be epic, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Those are today's headlines. Now it's time to opinionate as we whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. College football news ranks BYU as the fifth best running back room in the Big 12. Is that position more uh, the most underrated position group at this point? Most underrated? I don't know. I think that it's the defensive backs as the most underrated group. Eddie, I don't think people understand how good Eddie Heckard really is. 
And Jacob Robinson is probably an underappreciated, undervalued part of the secondary, as is Malik Moore, Micah Harper. For me, it's BYU's secondary that's still the most underrated position group. The running backs are getting a lot of love. Like Athlon Sports, Aiden Robbins was a, you know, a second team a second all Big teamer, 12. Meaning he's one of the top four running backs in the Big 12. Whoa. I like what I'm hearing there. Hopefully that uh, comes yeah. to fruition. Uh, so I think that makes them not underrated. Underrated? <laughs> Highly. Yesterday, New York Jets general manager Joe Douglas said something very interesting about Jets quarterback Zach Wilson. Quote, sometimes you don't take into account the ramifications of playing a young quarterback early in his career. I think going back, it would have been great to have a veteran quarterback like a Joe Flacco that first season. Remember, Joe played with the Jets in the second season. Jerem, what do you make of these comments by Joe Douglas? Sometimes you did. Haven't we had enough case studies in this situation to know that yes. yet, most of the time it's not a great situation? At least like six to eight games. Instead, he's being thrown out there. Obviously, Zach is the first one that needed to play better, but the situation wasn't ripe either. Hmm. <sighs> yes, but we knew this before. We didn't need to see it play out. A shocker that Robert Sala, the head coach, is like, man, Zach working with Aaron Rodgers has been awesome. He's a sponge. He's soaking everything up. This is going to help Zach become the player that we know he is. And the, he's, this is the reason we drafted him, because we know what he can develop into. And now he's working with Aaron Rodgers. You're the, you think Brock Purdy would have done what he did if he was the starter no. of game one? No. No, he had to sit out and see it, right? Speaking of Zach Wilson, the Gambling Gauchos podcast tweeted a photo of, quote, Big 12 legends. <laughs> Zach Wilson. What? Okay. And West Virginia quarterback Will Greer on the cover of the new college football video game. Is Zach Wilson a Big 12 legend? No, he is not. In fact, I was trying to think, did Zach Wilson even play a Big 12 team in his entire tenure at BYU? I don't think I he don't did. I don't think so, no. <laughs> didn't even he did. play one. I was trying to find like an in there, like, oh, maybe he beat a Big 12 team. No. Like, like future Big 12 team, Houston. Houston, but not yeah, Big but like not, yeah, exactly. So, so no, he's not. If anything, he's a Sunbelt legend from the <laughs> amount of teams he's played in 2020 in the Sunbelt. Zach Wilson's a legend to BYU for sure, not a Big yeah. 12 legend. Yeah. And that's okay. Not it's all right. All like, right. Jimmer Fredette was not in the WCC. Even yes. though in the league they were like show it, throwing up Jimmer. I'm like, he didn't play in this league. Jeremy, you referenced this earlier in an article from The Athletic yesterday. Oh. Iowa State's athletic director, Jamie Pollard, who I really like, by the way, super nice dude, really well-spoken, and love how much insight he brings. He discussed how united the new Big 12 is, as well as the rumors surrounding Big 12 expansion. Pollard was quoted as saying, what we wanted to do is be positioned that if there were other conferences that had issues, the Pac-12, yeah. that the Big 12 would be a great landing spot. But we don't need anybody to come to the Big 12, so we're not actively looking to expand. We're not that desperate. But if the opportunity exists, we're ready to expand, end quote. Well stated. Should the conference consider not expanding if they're so united and in a good well, place? No, they're good. They're just, if it presents itself, great. If you can get to 14 and you can add like valuable brands, say what you will about Colorado and the madness of Deion Sanders, they're a valued brand with a great history. And San Diego State is a program on the rise. I'll take those two right now. Primarily because of what they've done with basketball and they're in the Pacific time zone. You, those two, come on over. Right now. Let's I'll go. Up next, our latest Deep Blue is a fantastic one. And on BYU gymnast Lindsey Hunter, how she overcame 
basically all the odds to compete at BYU. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. I felt like I had to do something important with my life and I had to be stable. I had to go to college, have a steady income. So I went into nursing, but I had a couple art classes that I just wanted to try out. Once I started taking those classes, I realized that I loved it. I was doing this one painting, six hours go by, and I'm still painting. It didn't drain me. I, I just kept wanting to do more, and I had more ideas and things I could do better and more of and stretch and change. So I decided that life is short and I should just go with what I want to do instead of what I kind of thought I should do. I feel like it's hard not to become an adult and responsible and do what everybody else does because that's what I feel like the culture and what the systems in our society are making us into, I guess. I don't know. Like in school, you just have to do something a certain way and this is the formula to the solution and that's the only way, but there's always another way. So art is definitely, definitely a risk. You know, you don't know what you're gonna do with it. You don't know what profession you're gonna create out of it. It's all up to you. But with nursing, it's like you know what's gonna happen and you know what your income is at this place. I just felt like the part of me would be missing if I didn't do art and I feel like I just have to do it. My sophomore year in high school, this is kind of like the year when in gymnastics you get recruited and so it was a bad time to get sick, <laughs> let's just say that. It started with me getting sick for three weeks with the stomach flu. I kept going to the doctor, oh yeah, it's just the stomach flu, don't even worry about it. So I would keep going to practice too during that time and I would just like, you know, be doing giants around the bar and I would be doing really bad because I was in a lot of pain, but I just like kept going. So then we went to the doctors again the nurses were like, here, just take this like stomach flu medicine and she's fine. And my mom's like, no, we're gonna get a blood test. My appendix had ruptured. So it hadn't, wasn't just like inflamed and I had appendicitis, it had actually ruptured. All these nurses kept coming in, just like one after the other saying, you're so lucky, you should have died. Every single one, you should have died five days ago. After I was in the hospital, I still couldn't stand up straight. I still couldn't like walk normally. I had to like hold my stomach as I walked around my house and everything. And in gymnastics, you kind of move your back a lot and stomach. So I just already made up my mind that I was coming back and 
I would be better than I was before. Now for Lindsay Hunter. So far, handstands have looked fantastic. Wow, another great set for the Cougars. Body position was great. The landing, that is a true stick. She has been out of this world good. <laughs> because I had a kind of near-death experience as a teenager, it's definitely affected how I see my life now. I'm a gymnast at BYU, and I love art, and those are two very difficult things to do. And they take a lot of time and effort, but on my deathbed, what am I gonna regret in life? What am I gonna look back and think I wish I did that or I wish I didn't do that? And to me, I know I would regret not doing art. I like filling my life with things that challenge me because I wanna look at myself at the end of my life and, and look at all the wonderful things I did and how I spent my life filling it with things I love and that excite me rather than things that I maybe thought I should do. I wish people knew what they were capable of. Because I feel like people have very low expectations of themselves sometimes. And I think everyone has the potential to do something great. Oh, what a story from Lindsay Hunter. And I love the tie over from just her general artistic ability into gymnastics because so much of gymnastics is about artistry yes. with what you can do physically. Lindsay right? Hunter, the Bob Ross of BYU. <laughs> I love it. And hey, potential to do something great. Maybe, maybe we're shooting too low on BYU uh, football. Let's go. Do something great. I wish people knew what they were capable of. Eight and four? Nine and three? Ten and two? <laughs> Up next, our Rise and Shoutout goes out to a couple of teams chasing national championships in the very near future. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.